Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. You're a new guest. We appreciate you stopping by. If you're a returning listener, we appreciate your patronage. Always a pleasure ending the week and starting our weekend together. Today we have a very special guest, good friend of mine, Mr. Adam Dawson out of Henderson, Nevada. He is the CEO and a partner at, tell me the name, Adam, to be exact. It is, Cap, it is Capstone Capital Wealth Advisors, correct? That's correct. All right. It's a mouthful, but I, uh, I, uh, I was hoping I didn't get it wrong. <laughs> no, you're good. So Adam is a uh, he's a good friend of mine. Actually, you're the ver- you're the first person that I've had on my show that I know from from church. Actually, we have that connection as well. I've had guests from all over the country, and you're one of those right in my neighborhood, right here, right in my uh, my own congregation. And there's some connections there that I really appreciate. So uh, looking forward to visiting with you today. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I know how busy you are. Absolutely. My pleasure. Look forward to the conversation as well. So, you know, here on Finding Certainty, we, we look at this topic and we analyze this topic of creating certainty in our lives from a number of different angles. We've, we've looked at it in relationships and business and health, uh, investments, et cetera, et cetera. And you're a wealth advisor, a wealth, um, um, I, I guess the best word is an investment advisor, but more than that, you're a wealth advisor and you help your customers to to how, how would you best describe it to um prepare for their futures prepare for their retirements make sure they're protected and you do this in a number of different areas it's not just their investments correct that's right absolutely uh we view ourselves as almost like a personal cfo so there's so many aspects of a person's financial life that need to be addressed uh, investments are a very important part of that, not only preparing for retirement, but living throughout retirement. How do they get the income that they need throughout the rest of their lives? Most people prefer not to run out of money before they pass away right. and like to leave something to their heirs if there's anything left over. So that's a really, really huge, important part of that, especially with the market the way it's been uh, the past couple of years, just lots of ups and downs, lots of uncertainty. Um, which we, uh, you know, think it's really important to understand how to embrace that uncertainty, which is kind of an interesting topic. Maybe we can dive into later uh, in conjunction with your the topic of your podcast overall, right? It's finding certainty through the uncertainty. But, right. um, you know, it's not just the investments, though. It's so many other things. How do we manage risk in other areas of their life, whether it be just looking at their insurance and legal documents? Do they have wills and trusts, asset protection, um, tax planning, you know, how do we help them save money on taxes, not only today, but throughout retirement? Um, what are gifting strategies for their kids or other charities that they feel passionate about? Um, and then probably the most important out of all those things is the emotion of money. How, do the, how does money impact their relationships with their spouse if they're married or other people they care about? Um, <laughs> money, everybody thinks money is about math. And uh, actually, one of our newest clients is a mathematician, and uh, he said, wow, 
investing is not math. I tried doing this on my own and it is not rational. It's not <laughs> just about the numbers. It makes no sense sometimes. It's very, very emotional. And so uh, we view ourselves as coaches more than anything. How do we help people make really sound decisions um, when life just comes at you and it, it can be really scary sometimes to know what to do? Absolutely. 100%. Um, it's, it's definitely an area where people feel a great deal of uncertainty. They're seeking certainty in that in that area of their life. And just as you alluded, there are so many moving parts, right? There's so many aspects that affect our financial outlook and our wealth, uh, from insurance to taxes to uh, to our um, maybe our uh, succession plan from our business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I had a guest on a, a few weeks ago named Angel Tussie, and she's a media specialist. And just on a whim, she searched up the word certainty and how many times that word had shown up in in uh, media and online in podcasts and blogs and radio shows, television shows. There were thousands and thousands of hits just in 24 hours, right? But then we searched up the word uncertainty, and there were tens of thousands of hits. Yeah. Right, and it, I mean, I mean, just in a twenty-four hour period, tens of thousands of appearances. So it's definitely a, a topic of uh, of interest, topic of concern for for Americans and people all over the world. And so, you know, I, I want to get into what you do and how you do it because I think it's really important. And, and because you are a fee based firm, there's some I think even pros and maybe even some cons to that, or some uh, some considerations. But before we do that, let's get into your background. I always like to start out and say, share a couple of reasons why I've invited this guest on. Um, first and foremost, who you do business with is as important as is what you're doing. And you know, I, I always say a, a company's only as strong as the people behind it. And I wanted to invite Adam. I mentioned our, our relationship through church, but I wanted to invite him because he is one of the most um most impressive people that I've met from an integrity standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, just one of those guys you want in your corner. And he goes out of his way to serve in the community and in our neighborhood, in our, in our city here. And, and I know that translates to his clients. And so it's a really important piece of what we're going to talk about today, because I think if you have that servant mindset and that servant's heart, it makes you a much better business person. We see good examples of that and bad examples of that, of course. But, but secondly, Adam's a uh, a published author. He came out with a um, he's published uh, two books that we'll be talking a little bit about. And they dive into, especially this last one, dives into the mistakes that many of us make trying to invest on our own or trying to tackle our wealth strategy. Just as you said, your math your mathematician client. We try to do it, and we're and we do it wrong. We're we're, we're making mistakes. I think just as the title of the show says, "How smart people lose money in investing." Right? You can be intelligent, you can be brilliant, like your mathematician friend, but we're still making mistakes. And so, I want to talk about those. I know that's a very, very it's a, it's a topic of big interest to our listeners. How do we prepare for our future, and and how can we avoid the pitfalls that, it, that so many of us make? So. So let's jump into your background. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what brought you to today. I know you're a musician and a composer as well, which I think has some interesting elements and maybe layers in 
in who you are and what you do, but who is, uh, who is Adam Dawson? <laughs> well, thank you, Patrick, for the very kind words. Um, and by the way, likewise, uh, very uh, impressed with and grateful for your service in the community. Um, I just, I just love people and, and just want to do the, whatever I can do in my little corner of the world to help them make, make the world a better place. And I think a big part of what drives my desire to help other people is, um, we were really poor growing up and poor is a relative term, right? I mean, we didn't live in the, uh, deserts of Africa, you know, without enough water to drink. And so, so the, even I, I would argue that the poorest people in our country are very, very rich compared to much of the world. So I don't mean to right. make it bigger than it is, but, um, you know, by American standards, um, my parents were divorced when I was 10. Uh, they really struggled. It turned a bad financial situation into a worse financial situation. Um, we didn't have uh, beds to sleep on. We washed our clothes by hand in the bathtub because we didn't have a washer dryer. We walked everywhere. We didn't have a car. Uh, we took turns eating dinner because we only had one plate, one fork, one spoon with, between the four kids. Um, it was right after my parents were divorced. And, and and we were on welfare a lot, you know, so I'm really grateful for those systems that during a, our biggest time of need, we were able to survive. And mm-hmm. and lots of people pitched in for, you know, Secret Santa at Christmas time and, and those types of things. So it's hard uh, to talk about those things without getting emotional. Um, but I just really i know what it feels like to not have any money right and, um you know love music uh had some success with music uh studied music composition at brigham young university um and uh i, I love it and you know play piano i sing um but composing is really my favorite thing uh and really just touching other people's hearts through music um is what drives my motivation there but having grown up with the financial background that we had, um, I know that you can, and I have friends that have been successful in the music business, but I just decided I didn't want to take that risk. Um, and uh, actually, one of my professors said that if you can find anything else that you could possibly do that you would enjoy, also enjoy, <laughs> that's not music, then try that first. And <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, there's a really good book. I I've probably told a thousand people to read this book. Uh, it's called What Color Is Your Parachute by Richard Nelson Bowles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a pastor um, and basically quit his job as a pastor because he found even greater meaning in helping people find better work, more meaningful work that's a uh, you know, good use of their skills. He makes the argument that, sure, we'd all love to do just whatever we think is fun um, for a living, but that's not doesn't always translate into what people need, what people are willing to pay for. And so he has a series of exercises he recommends that helps you really think about, okay, well, in my case, I love writing music and and some other things too. I sold pest control door to door during college, had a lot of success with that. Uh, I was leading my high school musical. I wrote a piano concerto. I performed with my high school orchestra. Right. Um, You know, and so just a lot of these things, he said, take all your favorite experiences, things you're the most proud of, uh, mission for my church in Argentina for two years. And then start to analyze, are there any similar characteristics among all of these different things that, that these uh, rewarding experiences you had? And as I went through those exercises, I thought, I realized, wow, I love working with people. Every single one of these things is working with people, making a difference in a meaningful way. 
Now, some may argue that killing bugs isn't quite as meaningful as helping them with their <laughs> retirement, but I still felt like I was doing good. <laughs> and then, um, so, and then having a job where my creativity was put to some good use, where it wasn't just, you know, sitting in a cubicle and following orders all day, every day. Um, and then, uh, the last thing is just something that is, had some kind of analytical aspect to it. So um, as I explored lots of different careers, uh, I learned more about what it meant to become a wealth advisor, you know, financial, financial planner, I'm a certified financial planner, CFP. Um, and it just was kind of like this ding, ding, ding moment. Oh my gosh, I can work with people and make a difference in their lives. It's analytical, it's creative. And on top of all that, I get to learn about money, all the things I never really got to learn as a kid and help people not be poor, like I was hopefully. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I wish that one of the hardest things about my job is we have people that come to us all the time that need help with budgeting or things like that. And just, we don't have time at the granular level so much. And most of our clients are pretty successful, typically 500,000 plus investable assets. We work with a lot of really successful small business owners as uh, most of our clients, which I think feeds well into your, your audience. But, um, but still wanted to, and that's part of why I wrote these uh, two books was to help in other ways, even if I don't have time necessarily to meet with every single person that does need help. Well, your two books, the first one was Timeless Principles of Financial Security, right? Yes. And that was the first one. And you wrote that. You did a better job on that than you did on the name of our company, even though it's even longer. <laughs> uh, you wrote that one about 12 years ago. That's right. And and then your latest book that just came out this year is Chasing Chances. I think it's an interesting title, Chasing Chances, How Smart People Lose Money Investing. And um, I want to I dive into a little bit about what each of the books teaches and why you wrote them. But I think it's an interesting point. You know, you, you can only do so much, right? You can't be all things to all people, even within wealth management and well, as a wealth advisor, as a CFP. You know, people need a lot of help in finances. They need to learn how to budget. They need to learn how to pay their bills on time. They need to understand credit. You know, there's a lot of things and you can't do all of that. But I think it's interesting that you decided to write your book or both of the books to try to help serve those segments of the population as well. That again says something about your heart. You know, you're wanting to serve even those that you you don't have time to, or that, that just aren't at the level where they need to be to work with, with uh, capstone. So is that, a, I mean, was that a motivation to write the book? Uh, really? Was it a big piece of it or was it just kind of an afterthought or, or you realized kind of 2020 hindsight that that was a benefit of. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, how do I expand um, my sphere of influence sounds like a selfish thing, but it's, it's just oh, but your reach, right? Your reach. Yeah. That's a better way of saying it. Um, and also, I felt like it was a way to for my own clients to get greater value, greater understanding. We don't have so much time in the meetings that we have together. I felt like there just wasn't enough time to share all the things I wanted to share uh, that I felt like they needed to know. And so it just seemed like a, a more efficient way for them to absorb the information. They could take their time. They could go back and refer to things. Um, and it's had all those benefits. And and I've had several clients tell me that they've read my, well, the, this, this other one's only a few months old, Chasing Chances, but the old one, Timeless Principles of Financial Security, I've had some clients say they've read it over and over again, just to go wow. back and review the principles. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. 
you know, I, th- I look at it a little bit like um, our YouTube channel. You know, if you go and search up certainty management on YouTube, I've, I've produced over 300 videos in the last few years. Oh, that's a lot. And, um, and many of them I did just so I didn't have to keep saying the same thing over and over. <laughs> now I just say, go watch the video because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a time saver and, and it extends that reach and you can serve more people, right? You can help more people in the limited time that we have. And so uh, books the same way. Um, I've published um, two books myself or I've been in two books as a contributing author. I have a third yes, one. Talked about that. Oh, you have a third one coming out. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Coming out soon, it's about uh, visionary CEOs. And so kind of talked about vision and how you build upon that. But Wow, great topic. Anyway, so tell us quick about your family. we got about two minutes here before our first break. Tell us sure. a little bit about your family. I know there's a little bit of a joke about how many twins you have in your household. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we have uh, two daughters. They're 18 months apart. Uh, they're both uh, college age now. Um, and uh, then we have twin boys. Um, they really are twins. But yeah, the others are not. So, and then you anyway, have and two shorties, right? yeah, two shorties that are really their sisters too. So yeah, kind of like three sets of twins, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what is a shorty exactly? It's a Shih Tzu Yorkie mix. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a they're like, you're they're like four or five pounds. So yeah. you know, but when you look at when I look at my iPhone, I, my iPhone thinks that they're cats. You know, when you search the pictures of cats, it shows my <laughs> my dog. So yeah, they're pretty tiny. <laughs> And of course, you're much better half, Andrea. Yes, Andrea. Phenomenal. She's incredible. She's an amazing lady, and we're blessed to know her and you. So anyway, we're up against our first break. Um, we take a couple of breaks um, here in the show. But if you, again, if you're here for the first time, thanks for joining us. We, we're going to learn a lot from Adam in the next segment here as we talk about how to avoid those pitfalls that so many smart people are making in their investments and in their wealth planning. So thanks again for being here, Adam. And folks, we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero-cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. We're visiting with Adam Dawson. He's the CEO of Capstone Capital Wealth Management. Is that the name? Capstone Capital Wealth Advisors. Close Advisors. enough. <laughs> we'll I, get it by I, the end. I knew I was going to slaughter it, but... I, it's a uh, long name. It's way too long. <laughs> I usually think of just Capstone Capital, but I knew there's more to it. So the wealth advisor part is really important because you do more than just investment advising. You're not just a financial planner. You do a lot more at Capstone Capital. And you've talked about it in your books. Uh, I'd like to get into those a little bit maybe later in the show. But a, a thought came to me as you were telling a little bit about your background and the fact that you are a composer. I mean, you wrote an orchestra. You, 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 you wrote an orchestra that your high school performed back when you were in high school, right? But I think there's a parallel there because when you're composing, you have an idea of what you want to, of where you want to go and what you want it to look like and sound like. And I'm interested in how that, that philosophy and that background, that experience as a composer has translated into what you do as a financial planner, as a, as a wealth advisor. Because you do the same thing with a, a client, right? You have a goal, you have a direction you want to go, and you need to structure it. You need to, yeah, you need to, there's principles that have to go into it. You can't just wing it. You don't just throw things at a wall and hope they stick. And you don't do that with composing either, right? So is, am I off there or are there some parallels? Oh, absolutely. Huge parallels. And that's it. Um, it, it's funny when people find out that I majored in music composition and I'm a composer that kind of, I just love, I, I wish I could have throughout my whole career recorded all the videos of every, everybody's reaction. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what, what does that have to do with wealth management? How did you get from that to this? And uh, believe it or not, there are big parallels um, because of that kind of it's that perfect mixture between the analytical side and the creative side and having that vision um right. so and actually i just recently read uh if you haven't read it you should um gina wickman's genius uh kind of the uh father of the entrepreneur operating system eos uh his book traction and rocket fuel are really good rocket fuel he talks about um how all businesses need a visionary and an integrator so the visionary is the big picture you know future where we headed and then the integrator is boots on the ground. How do we translate that vision into action? Um, and so that book that I just read like in the past few months helped me understand even better how my background as a composer has really helped me in my business. Um, not only in, in managing the business, growing the business, uh, but also in helping our clients to catch that vision of their future. Um, and not everybody has that ability to see the end from the beginning or to create something out of thin air, for lack of a better term. Right. At the next level, I looked at these master plan communities around our town and other uh, cities. And I think about people like Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, uh, you know, Elon Musk, love them or hate them as people. They're changing the world in incredible ways. So you talk about vision right. um, and, and, I'm surprised at how many people don't really understand what it's going to take for them to have the lifestyle that they want in retirement. What do they need to do between now and then 
to make that happen. Um, what's possible, and and sometimes they estimate on the low end. They say, "Wow, you know, I mean, I mean, we've had clients with five million dollars feeling guilty spending, you know, five thousand dollars a month, uh, and saying like, oh, can I afford this? Can I afford that?' And it's just like, wow, you no, you have plenty of money. Go out and spend it. You've worked really hard. You need to enjoy that now." Right. So there's something that's really cool about helping people to catch that vision and and to recognize the blind spots, you know, because we all have blind spots. And exactly. in some ways, sorry, go ahead, Patrick. I just said exactly. Oh, well, and, and in some in some ways, I feel like I'm at a, an advantage because uh, I get to see all stages of life all at once. We have clients at all stages of life, and so I see the things that people are going to be um, dealing with when they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I, I think we um, we don't like to think about it, right? We don't like to think about death. We don't like to think about getting sick. We don't like to think about uh, losing money. Um, but these are these are facts of life, um, and so we try to help prepare people for those things. Well, I see this a lot in business and in uh, many of my guests who have built very successful companies. I think of. Um, one in particular, his name is Wynn Claybaugh. He started and and is the he's the co-founder and the director of the of Paul Mitchell the schools. Oh wow! From this one little office to over a thousand locations, and I mean thousands of students and so forth and so on. He's he's big on those two topics on traction and rocket fuel, right? Vision and boots on the ground, and you have to have both. And the challenge is is it, it, it takes more than being intelligent, right? I think you uh, one of the biggest reasons to uh, to partner with an, a firm like your own is that you have experience, you have uh, insights that even an intelligent person may not have because of the lack of experience, but you also have perspective. And you hit the nail on the head, I believe, when you talk about how you see all stages of life. You have young customers who are just starting out. You have those in, in their... Uh, you know, middle age years and those who are into their retirement years. And nobody has that without working in a role like you do and working with several different clients and investors and so forth. How can you have it? We all have just our own perspective, which is very limited, but you have, you're on the other side of the table. You're looking at all of these different experiences. And from that, I I think that's as valuable almost as the training you've had, you know, the, the, the uh, certified financial planner courses and everything else that's gone into that. I think those two are both critical in being able to serve your clients. Well, um, let's talk about what some of the mistakes people are making are and, and how you try to offset that. How do you, how do you, how do you tackle the uncertainty that is there, the, the risk in any investment and the uncertainty that's in the market? How are you offsetting that and helping your clients hedge their bets? If I may, how are, you, how are you helping them avoid the pitfalls as much as is possible? Great question. Um, and I wish we had time to talk about how we do that in all areas of their life, but maybe we'll just focus on the investment side right now. Um, so human nature is absolutely uh, the biggest, um, uh, what's an enemy or, or threat? That's the word I'm looking for. Our, our own human nature is probably our biggest threat to investment success. And um, I would agree. 
<laughs> and and the financial um, the financial world, especially media, uh, you know, um, CNBC, some of the well, not to call it any specific names, uh, they're in the business of providing education, and we're really grateful for their services. But sometimes they get caught in this loop of how do I focus on the sensational uh, market news of the day uh, because that's what people want to hear. Fear sells, as we've always heard. And so, um, you know, educated people who are trying to make good decisions, trying to be well-informed are, are just constantly bombarded with this soup of how do I know what to do? Because it's just way too scary out there. There's so much uncertainty. Right. And so, um, and there's the so much, thing, if I may, there's so much volume, right? Where do you start? I mean, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer in hiring professionals who do what they do because they can cut through the noise and narrow into that 1% that's, that's really going to be helpful. I, I mean, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of information, not just the, the, you know, the quantity as much as the quality. Oh, totally. And that's, and, and we're fully aware of that. And we view that as one of our most important jobs is to help our clients filter through that. And we get questions all the time. Uh, oh, hey, what, what is Bitcoin? Do I need to focus on this? What does it mean? Okay, we don't need them to become experts on Bitcoin. We know we're researching that, those things. We can tell them what they need to know, help them make good decisions, uh, what's happening in the market. So uh, but back to your question, what are some of the pitfalls? How do we help, quote unquote, protect them from themselves? Um, I'll tell you, one of the biggest things is trying to time the market. Uh, so everybody wants to figure out what's the right time to get in, what's the right time to get out. And of course, that's perfectly natural. I, and believe me, I wish I knew. <laughs> because <laughs> I would make a lot more money for myself personally and for my clients. Um, but the fact of the matter is nobody knows. It's completely unpredictable. It's easy to go back, as they say, hindsight's twenty twenty, but foresight isn't. Um, it's easy to go back and say, oh, wow, you know, I, I wish I had invested in March of 2009, you know, all of my life savings uh, in stocks because then I would have had this, this rocket ship up. But in March of 2009, everybody in the news was saying, man, you thought that first 50% drop was bad. Wait till the next 50% drop hits. So it's really, really hard to stay invested or maybe even put more money in after you have a big drop like that. We, we experienced the same thing with uh, COVID more recently, you know, March, April of 2020. Huge uh, drop in the market, probably the biggest drop we've seen uh, in, in that short of a time period, uh, you know, with uh, possibly a few exceptions a long time ago, but um what people probably should have been doing is investing a lot more at that time because then the recovery was just, uh, you know, so astronomical. Nobody could have predicted that. So timing the market doesn't work over the long term. There are lots of studies about this. Um, there's one in particular by uh, Dalbar Research I really like. They look at 20-year, kind of rolling 20-year periods. And no matter what 20-year period you look at, the numbers are similar. I can't remember what the latest ones are, but let's say if you could have earned 8% average annual rate of return over a 20 year period in the stock market, um, they're saying the average investor only earned 3% per year mm. because of this, trying to figure out the right time to get out in and out. They wait for it to go down, then they pull out because they're afraid of losing more. They want to wait for it to, to look like things are getting better. It recovers, then they get back in um, because they feel more certain, but it's too late. Well, I know your, your firm is, is um, one of your principles, if I may, and I've, I've, I've 
I've learned this from knowing you and talking with you. I've looked at your website, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But one of your principles is time in the market versus timing the market. That's right. right. And that's exactly what you're, you're talking about. And your, your approach to working with your clients is not trying to time, time it right. And, and, you know, pick those winners. It's more just a systematic disciplined approach. It's consistent. You, 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 diversification is part of it. Trying to minimize risk. You have goals, but it's this comprehensive plan that is, and I love that word systematic and disciplined uh, and takes time, right? It's not something most people do overnight. Uh, very, very rarely do, do savvy investors hit it big. You know, there's a, of course a good, exceptions to that who bought Bitcoin at the right oh, time or something like that. But, but for the most part, uh, true wealth management takes time and it takes a plan. It's, it's a roadmap and it takes time to get there as, as any journey does. Right. Yeah, I love this quote by, uh, I think it was Paul Samuelson, uh, economist said that investing successful investing is more like watching grass grow. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not exciting. It's very boring. It's long, slow and steady wins the race. Um, but I totally get it. I mean, we all want to make as much money as we can as quickly as possible. That's human nature. There's nothing wrong with that desire. It's just we uh, most of the time people end up losing a lot of money when they try to take shortcuts. And this is not just investing. If you think about it, this is how life works. Um, you know, am I going to have a better marriage if I take my wife on a big, you know, two week uh, fancy trip once a year and then never go on any dates or spend much time with her throughout the year, you know, right. after that, uh, that's not going to be, it's, it's just these little, you know, check-ins every day and, and, and weekly, you know, dinners and, and all those things. That's at least much more success in my marriage. Or what about, um, working out, right? I'm much better off doing just a 20, 30 minute run every day or, or 20 or 30 minutes at the gym than I am once a month, you know, for 12 hours in there, just hitting it hard. So true. It's the same with investing. Well, as you, as I looked at your website, you have a list of the principles that you stand for and, you know, words like prudence, objectivity, discipline, uh, diversification, efficiency, flexibility, simplicity, accountability, um, transparency, I think is a good one. Collaboration, independence. You know, these are all words that resonate of certainty for me, even though you're working in a very uncertain space. You know, the market is not something you can control. You can try to hedge for it. You can try to plan for it. You're staying long enough and, and, and the time in aspect or, 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 or element to try to offset it, right? But all you can do as a wealth advisor is approach those risks and that uncertainty with principles like this and try to, in a sense, offset or hedge for the risks and the uncertainty that is that is out there. And that's a tricky balancing act, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Can I touch on the, you mentioned diversification is one of the principles. Uh, that's kind of, that leads to the second principle in my book, Chasing Chances, that I talk about. So if timing the market is the first big mistake people make. Uh, picking stocks is the second big uh, mistake people make. Um, and it's this, <laughs> You know, okay, what's the one thing, how much, how much have we all heard this? If only I bought more Apple stock in the 80s, or if only I bought more Amazon stock in the 2000s. Everybody wants to find that needle in a haystack that's going to be their, you know, their saving grace. They're almost their lottery ticket. Um, and yes, some people do get lucky. I, I'm not going to deny that. 
Um, but it, it truly is luck. Nobody can predict uh, which stocks are going to outperform in the future. And believe me, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. There are tons of people trying to figure this out because everybody wants to know. It's really big business. But if you look at academic studies, you take away all the sales pitches and look at what's really happening. The, the, these people with uh, PhDs in, in financial analysis and modeling and, and Nobel Prizes in economics, they're saying it can't be done. I mean, it can be done, but it's more it has more to do with luck than skill. Right. So most of the time, you're better off with that diversification. You can get really great returns in the market without so much risk. And, um, and, and there are no guarantees, let's face it. Um, even if it, with a diversified strategy, you don't know if that's going to work or not. But you're dramatically increase, increasing your chances of having a successful outcome uh, by doing it that way rather than just trying to pick a handful of stocks where and you could lose a lot of money. And, and we have seen people try to do that. Most of the people that try to do that eventually cry uncle and say, okay, this is stressing me out and I'm losing tons of money. Yeah, I made a lot of money, but then I lost it all um, you know, the next day. And um, I'm not going to do this anymore. Let's just uh, take a more disciplined approach. Well, I mean, we, we live here in Las Vegas, right? It's like going to the casino as your investment plan. Yeah. The house always wins. And how do you, how do you offset for that? And you, you made an, uh, a comment about the sales pitches that are happening. We're up against our next, next break, but when we, when we come back, I'd like to get into a little bit about what is a fee-based uh, wealth advisor firm. Sure. How that differs from you know, conventional commission driven <laughs> financial planners because there's a big difference you know there's a difference between investing based on sales pitches and you know what's the hottest thing right now and and a concentrated disciplined strategic plan that is well worth a small fee or percentage of of holdings and and I'd like to talk a little bit about that if we can but we're up against our next break we're visiting with Adam Dawson CEO of Capstone Capital Wealth Advisors. Did I get it right? That's right. Good job, Patrick. <laughs> Third tries the charm. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back, folks. Hang tight. Don't go anywhere. Thanks. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. 
That's certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. We're back with Finding Certainty. We're visiting with Adam Dawson. He's the CEO of Capstone Capital Wealth Advisors. Uh, and we've been talking about some of the principles and some of the challenges that we run into as what we think we're uh, smart investors many times, as the title of the show says, smart people lose money. And Adam's job and his his career for the last 20 plus years, he's helped hundreds of people to offset and hedge for both the uh, poor decisions that we make as investors and the risks in the market and the, the human nature, the challenges, et cetera. Uh, are there other principles that you'd want to share, Adam, that are important as we, as we broach the subject? Yes. Uh, so we talked about the importance of not trying to time the market. It's all about time in the market, not timing the market. Right. Uh, we talked briefly about the uh, importance of not trying to pick the right stocks. Um, and, Obviously, I go into this in much greater detail in my book, just really interesting stories of people I've seen try to do that and, and how much money they lost and, and just great stories that a lot of people will be uh, familiar with. Uh, companies like Tesla, kind of the rise and fall of that um, and uh, the Fang stocks, you know, some of those types of things. So um, the third principle is chasing what's hot. So that we always have this desire to look at, oh my gosh, look at how well real estate's doing right now. Let's just put everything in real estate right at the wrong time. We saw that in 2005, 2006, 2007. Sure. Um, people... no, we know how that turned out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love real estate. I'm not saying don't own real estate. I'm just saying we need to have realistic expectations about, you know, just because it's a physical property doesn't mean it can't lose value and you might have to hold on to it for a really long time. To be able to uh, to see that that value increase, um, cryptocurrency is another good example. Um, again, I I think crypto is the wave of the future. I think it's here to stay. I think you know it's an exciting new technology that's going to do a lot of good, um, and and will will change the way we do business going forward in, in you know ways that we can't even imagine right now. Probably like the way the internet has changed the way we do business. But it's just really, really early right now. Um, very, very risky to put too much in cryptocurrencies. But everybody wants to. My point is, everybody wants to look at their neighbor that you know got a thousand percent return in Bitcoin, and uh, they think they're going to do the same just by jumping in right now. And um, it just you have to be really careful of looking at track records, especially really short track records of of how something uh, performed, and expect it to do the same thing. Most of the time. If it, coming back to the stock market examples, if you're looking at a mutual fund or a, or a stock or an ETF, uh, it's an exchange for trader fund. It's kind of like a mutual fund. Um, 
my wife is every time I say that, my wife is like, what the heck is an ETF? <laughs> so I have to remember, not you know, these are technical terms, but um, you look at a mutual fund ETF or stock that's done really, really well over the past year, most of the time that's probably going to be the worst performing fund the next year. Is that right? The amount of risk that they're taking to achieve that really, really high returns, like way outshining everybody else are also the same amount of risk that means that they can lose a lot of money when things turn against them. So uh, track record investing, you have to be really, really careful. Yes, historical data provides meaningful information when you're looking at big classes of data. So the way we look at it is over long periods of time, it's reasonable to expect that stocks will outperform bonds, just as an example. Because, well, over most time periods, uh, they always have. doesn't mean they always will for whatever time period you're, you have to invest for. There's, there's risk there still, no guarantees. But it's more likely that they outperform bonds uh, just because of the nature of stocks. So if I'm taking more risk, you have to think about this from a philosophical standpoint. If I'm taking more risk as an investor and being prudent by by diversifying it among, we we actually invest in thousands of different stocks. We consider that to be true diversification. Then, because of the way that capital is raised, these people, uh, the, the companies you're investing in, are willing to give up a part part of ownership in their company because they expect that it's uh, going to grow. You expect that it's going to grow beyond what you can earn at the bank or or in bonds, sure, or you're sure. just loaning your money. And so um, that's where the returns come from is embracing that uncertainty. If you want certainty in your investments, you have to just buy CDs. Uh, maybe, you know, the annuities have some level of certainty, some things like that. But then that's going to dramatically reduce your returns because you don't deserve it. Sorry. But yeah. if, if you want certainty, then you're not entitled to the higher returns that come from taking the risk. Mm-hmm. That's the way we look at it. Risk and reward, right? Mm-hmm. Turn on investment. Um, interesting comment because if you do, I, I completely agree. If you want certainty in business, you're probably never going to <laughs> start your own business. You have to be willing to embrace the uncertainty and the risk and the and the long hours and the sacrifice and 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 so forth. And that and in that applies in everything in our life, right? You talk about. You compared it with a marriage, right? That two-week vacation once a year might be at one of the nicest places in the world, but that is not sacrifice. It's not time. It's not. It's not. It, it, it's not paying the price that it takes to have a great relationship. I think it's a it's a great parallel between that and and your wealth management or building a business. Well, thank you, and and I dive deeper uh, into that in, in the book Chasing Chances, but. Um... I, coming back to the marriage example, <laughs> my heart was beating so hard when I proposed to my wife, Andrea, that she, I, I was like hugging her right before. And she's like, what's wrong with your chest? I mean, she could like feel the heart. <laughs> it was like about to pop out of my chest. <laughs> she had no idea it was about to pop the question. But um, I just think, yeah, that was, I mean, scary is not the right word because I'd full, she's, I had full confidence that uh, we would have an amazing marriage. And I was very, very excited. Um, but it's still, we don't get to know how our marriage is going to turn out when we get married, right? Nobody does. Obviously, I doubt very many people get married with the the hope or expectation of getting divorced. Um, but that was with my parents being divorced. That was a fear that I had 
And so, um, mm-hmm. but I was willing to embrace that uncertainty. And, but it doesn't mean that we throw all caution to the wind, right? What are things that I did, dated her for a, a long enough period to where I felt like I got to know her, I got to know her family. We talked about goals. And then since then, I've done everything I can, I can do to make sure we, we maintain a good relationship that reduces my risk of having a bad marriage. Still no guarantees. So it's the same thing with investing, understanding what the principles are that increase our chances of success. We're not just going to throw all caution to the wind and say, oh, got to take risks to get reward. No, we're going to be prudent about it. And that's, that's really our job is to help our clients view what are risks that you can take that are prudent where you have a high likelihood of a positive outcome. It's a good point. You know, that's what we're trying to do is increase the likelihood of a favorable outcome. And there are things we can do. There are things, um, there are strategies, there are insights, uh, and there's emotion that goes into it. And you, as a wealth advisor, you have to get to know your customer. You're not, you're not just using a cookie cutter format that applies to every customer in the same way. I know it's customized and tailored to them and their goals and their emotions and their needs. You know, obviously a big part of it for many customers, I'm sure is, is legacy. What are they going to leave behind? How are they going to leave it? How can you protect it? Uh, I want to go back to the question I had earlier before we run out of time here, but the difference between the fee-based firm like your own and commission-driven financial planners or investment advisors that are out there. I know there's a big difference and I know you don't want to slam on your competition because that's not who you are, but I think it's important to clarify the difference for our listening audience. Yes. And there are pros and cons to each. um, And full disclosure, I started out more on the commission side uh, than on the fee-based side. And and that's common for a lot of advisors who are are just starting out. Um, But we're seeing a shift in our industry as a whole and, and this is just like all things in the world, um, the, the market changes over time, consumer demand changes over time. And so our industry um, is fraught with, uh, well, just historically speaking, fraught with hidden fees. Nobody really understood what they're paying. It's all this, you know, um, people not even realizing there are any fees involved, but you have all this, this really big commissions that uh, brokers would receive when they um, sell a stock, for example, or maybe you have life insurance policies, annuities, some of those types of, those are traditionally the uh, commission driven products. And so the advisor can only make money when he recommends a specific investment or, or specific change. And so the way we do it is we say, we, I mean, there's no such thing as being hundred percent unbiased, but we're trying to remove as many biases as we can. Mm-hmm. And we say, we'll just charge a small percentage of the total wealth that we manage for you. Uh, whatever investments that we're managing. I mean, not their, you know, if they have real estate, all these other assets or their business, we're not charging on that. It's only the the investments we're managing. Mm-hmm. And then that way you don't have to worry whether our recommendations are based on how much money are we going to make for recommending a specific product? Because mm-hmm. we make the same amount of money, whether we're buying and selling stuff all day, every day or, or not. And, and the more our clients make, the more we make. And so we feel like that puts us on the same side of the table as them. Um, and then uh, they seem to prefer doing it that way too. The other thing I like about that is uh, with commission, usually the the advisory gets more of a, a bigger pay up front, but they, then they don't receive any money after that unless there's something new they can recommend. And so they tend to be 
have less contact with their clients, whereas we have a motivation to be more engaged with them on an ongoing basis because we have to earn that fee every quarter. Exactly. I, I see it as more of a partnership with your clients. And within the actual structure, the framework of that partnership, and you talk about having to earn it every quarter, really, you have to prove why that fee is, is, is um, warranted. But you're looking at it as a long-term relationship. You're looking at it, uh, you want to serve this, this customer and their, their heirs for generations. And that says a lot about, um, about your, your approach to business, the model itself. I think it's just a completely different feel to it. Um, so we are, we are almost out of time here. Is there one last thought or, or insight you'd want to share with folks about this entire topic that uh, down to our last two minutes, what were you saying just in closing here, Adam? Yes, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity, Patrick. Uh, you know, appreciate our friendship, and it's just so much, it's so much fun to uh, share these thoughts together. Uh, just parting words of wisdom, I would say the biggest risk of all is to not invest. Um, you know, there is great hope for the future. Don't. Yes, it's a scary world out there. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty, but that uncertainty is never going to go away, and it's the uncertainty that allows us to get the outsized returns. Uh, the people that learn how to embrace that um, in prudent ways are the ones who will succeed in the long run. And uh, I'm just, I'm very excited about all the wonderful things that are happening, new products, new services, millions of people going to work every day trying to make the world a better place. That's what drives market returns going forward. And that's what has, has created and will continue to create uh, the tremendous wealth that we see throughout this country and throughout the world. Couldn't agree more. Um, as we try to create certainty in our lives, and we talk about this every week, we need help. We need advisors. We need coaches. We need to um, step back sometimes, or sometimes we're a little bit cl too close to the topic. And it's important to step back, make a plan, have a roadmap, and rely on those who have trod that path ahead of us, those who have, have that perspective of looking at hundreds of scenarios, not just their own. And obviously you, you're doing an amazing job at that, Adam. So thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate our friendship as well and um, continue with that servant's heart. And I know you'll continue to change lives and as you are changing mine and many others with me. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being here on uh, Finding Certainty and Adam. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for being here. Likewise. Thank you. Had a lot of fun. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. I know you've got an appointment starts in about two minutes here. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for squeezing us in. I really appreciate it. I had a, had a great, uh, great time with you this morning. And no take care, everyone out there. Have a fantastic weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.